joining with us this morning. They founded Hamayan Congregation in 1989. 1989, before some of us were born. <laughs> but interesting, I just um, was thinking about this last night. Our first, Millie and mine, our first trip to Israel was in 1992. And we had some dear friends, Merle and Maria. And we were visiting with them in Kfar Saba. And uh, they said, we want to introduce you to our pastor. And Tony came over. Tony was their pastor. We spent the evening with him. I don't think he remembers, but I remember that evening. Oh, yeah. It was a special time. And the Lord really began at that time to, to put Israel on our heart. And within a few years, we, we moved there and we actually lived fairly close to the congregation there. And um, Tony and Orna, they started this congregation and it is alive with the Holy Spirit. They minister to widows and orphans and young people. Um, I know that you're really involved with the right to life. Is that right? And many things. So um, would you welcome... Tony Sperandale, and just we're so glad and blessed to. When we were down at Church in the City of Beth Abraham, he was with us. It's probably, we we're trying to figure out four or five years ago. And he's been here before and visiting up here with the church. Um, so, but I just want to pray over for Tony. And then we're going to take it a love offering for his ministry after the service, too. So, Father, we just thank you for, for Tony and Orna, and thank you for their labors and for their heart and their passion for your people. And Lord, I just pray for an anointing upon him today as he shares. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stuart and Mili. This is always good to see you again. And uh, yes, it's been many, many years. Just want to extend to you a warm shalom to you from Israel. I'm here together with my wife, Ona. We've been married for 39 years. We have four children and two grandchildren. So it makes us, in Hebrew, we say Saba and Safta. You know, grandfather and grandmother, yes. And we live in the city of Kfar Saba, which is in the Sharon Valley between Tel Aviv and Samaria, just at the, at the foothill of Samaria. The green line was the border between Israel and the Kingdom of Jordan until 1967. So... Um, Yes, the Lord has put on our heart um, to build a congregation uh, as we are seeking the Lord to be the most effective. And you know, I just cried to the Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't want to waste my time serving you. What is your greatest need? I mean, if you ask the Lord what is your greatest need, the Lord will really speak to you. But for us at that time, as we arrive, uh, uh, Ona is born in Israel, she's a Sabra, and uh, I was born in Europe, and I got saved in Amsterdam, Holland, uh, almost the same time as Ona also was saved, and we got married in Holland, and as newlywed couple, we just came, and the Lord really spoke to us uh, to bring the good news, the gospel to the to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so we were involved in bringing uh, the, the gospel of Shalom to, to, to the Jews. And then as I asked, Lord, what is the greatest need? I just felt the Lord 
was speaking to me, even in, with sadness in his voice. He said, I have no shepherd in Israel. Feed my flock. Take care of my sheep. And he, he showed me the, wound, the wooden heart, the, the, the wounded heart of Jewish people. And, and he gave us, for us, as the motto scripture of our ministries, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon us, anointed us to, to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to bring the acceptable year of the Lord, and to give them uh, the, oil, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the, the, the spirit, you know, the, the, uh, instead of the spirit of heaviness. And, and we've been involved basically with the poor, the needies, the widows, the orphans, the, 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 you know, the new immigrants. And so we have a community where uh, every, everyone is taking care of one another. And um, we believe that this is the heart of the Lord and um, he's not only the God of heaven, but he's also the, the God who created the earth. And um, so, um, yes, we've been celebrating 30 years in our ministry. And uh, I just want to invite you, if we can just uh, put the, uh, the, uh, the, the teaching here. Um, I call this teaching a new, a new Middle East. Yes, why Israel matter? You see, um, if we can start here, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 7, there are th five commandments written in these scriptures. Five commandments. The first one is to sing. You know, it's written in the tzivui, imperative, you know. Sing with gladness for Jacob. Who is Jacob? Who is Jacob? You know, Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, and his name changed to Israel. So we are called. This is the Lord telling us we need to sing with gladness for Jacob, for Israel, and to shout among the chief, the head, Rosh, of the nations. So we know that there is the head of the nation, um, and it's Israel to proclaim, and it's in verse 10. Verse 10 says, He who has scattered Israel will regather him as a shepherd takes care of his flock. So the Lord has scattered Israel, and he will regather Israel. This is what you see in our generation right now. In our generation, you know, since 1948, there were 600,000 Jews. Now we are 7 millions. So in, in the span of 70 years, God has regathered together the uh, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob back to their land. There's, oh, there's already half of all the Jewish population in the world in Israel, and the other half, well, they'll be coming. They're coming. They're on their way. They're on their way. Then we are called to proclaim, to give praise to the Lord, and to say, which is a prayer, O oh Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Now, this is very interesting that this is, we are called to pray, to stand in the gap for the salvation and for the protection of the people of Israel. You know, there are, there are two messages that is, are burning in my heart, and it's basically the two mer those two messages is basically to stand for life. You know, I'm involved with the pro-life movement uh, we created in, in 30 years ago. I believe that abortion is the murder of innocent children. And so we are called to, 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 to stand and to protect human life. This is the greatest of all the ministry and, and, and calling that we have in our lives. So on one side, 
I have, I've written this book, which is called Israel and the Shedding of Innocent Blood. Uh, in Israel, there's more than 50,000 abortions a year. This is a blind spot, really. But God is raising an army of, of, of disciples of Yeshua to stand in the gap and to bring alternative for abortion instead of death, to bring, to bring life and to bring healing to all the families. And so... Um, this is one of the messages that the Lord has, has given to me. The second one is called the mystery of Israel and the church. And basically, if people are not standing for Israel, they will stand against Israel. I'm just repeating, if you don't stand for Israel, you will stand against Israel. To be silent in World War II would be to acknowledge the fact that Jews were put to the concentration camp and to destruction. It's not enough to be silent about Israel. It's not enough to be silent about the, um, the unborn children. You need to raise your voice. You need to stand in the gap. And I believe this is the message that has to be preached to the church as we are going back uh, into the place where Israel is becoming more and more diabolized and Jews are getting persecuted. I was, you know, you can see from my accent that I was born in France. I always said to myself, what will it take for Jewish, French Jewish people to go to the Middle East when we had 10 wars in the span of seven, seven, 70 years? I mean, Jewish people in France are very well off. They have good jobs, you know, good families. But God said in his word, I will bring them back from all the countries, back to the land that I promised to their forefathers, to Israel. And lo and, lo and beyond, in Europe now, you have anti-Semitism, you, um, you have terrorist activities. Uh, most of the Jewish people in France have removed their money from their banks. They've already invested in real estate in Israel. 30,000 of them have already arrived, and we're waiting for at least another 150,000 Jews. You know, if you, if you like French cuisine, you can come to Israel. We've got already the restaurant there. So God is doing a wonderful work of salvation to Israel. And for us here, as I see that you are already uh, Israel friendly, so I, 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 I just want to give you ammunition to share with your friends, with your relatives, and uh, many, may, many people here that you, we cannot be neutral and sit on the fence here. And uh, there's a scripture here in 137. This is a picture of our oldest daughter getting married. And you know, at the end of the the chuppah, the, the, the marriage wedding, the bridegroom breaks the glass and uh, he proclaimed these verses. This is a proclamation here. If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, my tongue will cling to the roof of my mouth if I don't exalt Jerusalem above my highest joy. The highest joy in a person's life is probably the wedding day. Uh, it should be, I hope. Um, but yet, uh, people, Jewish people, are reminded that there is something about your personal joy. There is something about, uh, that is greater than your personal joy, and it's about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the most important city in the world. You know that. This is the city where our Lord shed his blood for the sins of mankind, 
and on the third day he rose from the dead, and this is the, the, the city where he is returning, is coming back. And it, this is, these are the roots of our faith, and I believe this is very important to go back to the roots of our faith, because the roots are, the roots are giving the sap, the life of, of our faith. Now, two things will happen if we forsake the roots of our faith, then um, we will lose the, our, right, our right hand will dry up. And what is the right hand? The right hand is the authority. Yeshua is sitting at the right hand of the Father. I'm not talking about the authority of the church in the church. I'm talking about the authority of the church in the world. I mean, if you forsake the roots of your faith, which are in Jerusalem, coming from Jerusalem, from the book of Genesis, not from the book of Matthew chapter 2, you know, our Lord did not start anything. He fulfilled all, all things. Yeshua came to fulfill all things spoken about him. So I believe that there is a real calling here to, to restore the authority that was lost by the church in the world. The church now is considered as a ghetto. We have almost no voices and no involvement in society to change it. So I believe it's time to take back what God has given us and look back to Jerusalem. I loved it when you all prayed toward Jerusalem. I mean, I, I trusted you. I, didn't, I don't know what Jerusalem is, no south, but I trusted you. I did like you, okay? The map, okay, good. Jerusalem is the center of the world. Jerusalem is, is, is the root of our, our faith. The second thing that will happen to us when we forsake Jerusalem you know, how many believers are not able to share the simple gospel of Yeshua? So we, we are calling the pastor, the rabbi, you know, uh, the evangelist, you know, to, can you, can you speak to my grandmother? I, I want, you know, everyone is called to be a witness, right? So God wants to restore the message of life by bringing us back to our roots to Jerusalem. So this story about four people, they're working, they are missing, mixing concrete and, um, and so they are, they're asking the first one, sir, what are you doing? He said, well, don't you see I'm mixing concrete? They're asking the second one, doing exactly the same thing. What are you doing, sir? Don't you see I'm building a wall? Ask the third one on the bottom right. He said, what are you doing? Well, don't you see I'm building a house? And then there's the fourth one that says, what are you doing, sir? He says, well, listen, come to me. I'm going to show you how I build a city. In order to build a city, you need to start mixing concrete. You need to get your hands dirty. Every diapers that you've changed, every sick person that you visited in the hospital, every glass of water. I would, I would like a glass of water. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> every glass of water that you give to the list of these, Everything is about to build the kingdom of God. Sister, you are building the kingdom of God. You are doing a wonderful work. Yes. Every small things the Lord is seeing, it's all about the great picture. And what is the great picture? To build the kingdom of God. We all have different gifts, different callings, but together. We have to look back to Jerusalem because this is where our Lord is coming back, preparing the return of the Lord. So our faith, our faith is the oldest faith in the world. Did you know that? We're not the new kid on the block. 
we are challenged by a different faith, right? Our faith started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, we believe in a God that is before he created anything. Before he created anything, we were in his mind already. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He has chosen us before the foundation of the world. We were already in his mind. Before he created the trees, the mountains, the beautiful mountains, we were already in his mind. In the beginning, God. We, we are the first faith in the world. And he created the heavens and the earth. Now, let me ask you a question. God created the heavens and the earth. What does he prefer? Does he prefer the heavens or does he prefer the earth? Can we make a vote, democratic vote? Who believes God preferred the heavens? Just raise your hand. Who believes God preferred uh, the earth? Okay, now can I, can I ask you? Hmm? He prefers you. Okay. I want to ask if there's any parents here. You have at least two children. Which, pre which child do you prefer? I'm sorry I've tricked you. I, mean, I'm, I just wanted to make a point here. God created the heavens and the earth. He loves them both. He loves them both. And this is the worldview that we should embrace. Loving the heavens and loving the earth. And God's plan has always been to reconcile what he has created together. You have it in the book of Ephesians here. In the fullness of time, he might gather together in one thing. In the Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So God's plan is to bring heaven on earth and earth in heaven. This is why Yeshua, the Son of God, became a man to come down to meet with us. And this is why he has given us from the earth the Holy Spirit so we can reach heaven, receive the Spirit, eternal Spirit. And there is no better picture for this uh, connection here than the flag of Israel. And the flag of Israel is basically Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So I brought my flag. By the way, we have a table downstairs, and you can get some flags if you want. We brought some flags from Israel with some books and some uh, recordings that we've made. We're we, we working also with worship and music and so forth. So just look at the flag of Israel. You have, in the beginning, God created the heavens. This is the stripe of blue on the top. And he has created the earth. The stripe of blue in the bottom. Why blue for the earth? Well, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the water was covering the earth, right? Okay. So let's have some Hebrew lesson here. Water is... Mime and heavens, shamaim, their water. Okay, water, mime, and heavens, their water. This is blue. Okay, why water? Well, before the flood, 
there was a canopy of water around the earth, and it broke when the flood came. So we have the creation of heaven and earth, and then in the middle we've got a star. This is the Magen David, you're all familiar with that. Six-pointed stars, it's built with two triangles. You see the two triangles? The one with the base down going up, and the one, and the one with the base up going down. Well, the first one, the triangle with the base down going up, is you. It's man. We created in three dimensions. We have a soul, personality. We can choose, we can think, we can make decisions, good or bad. We have a free will. We have a body. And then what makes us different from, human, from, from animals as human beings is we have a spirit connecting with our creator. The second triangle with the base up going down is our God. Shema Israel Adonai. Adonai is my gods. Prol. Adon, Lord. Adoni, my Lord. Adonai, my lords. Prol. Elohenu, our gods. Prol. Echad. Echad is talking about unity. You know, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and they became one. Echad. Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad, they are one. Now, isn't it the mystery of our God that is complete? There's only one God, but within himself there is also already a relationship. He's a complete God. He did not create us because he needed fellowship. You know, God didn't say, oh, I create all the stars and the, and the planets, and now I need to have fellowship with someone. I'm going to create man. Well, God had already fellowship within himself. He's a complete God. That's what makes us different in our faith than any other monophysite faith that says God has no son. God has no equal. We know that monophysite faith is basically cannot show the personality of God because our God is love. And you cannot have love without relationship. So for our God to be love in himself, within his essence, he needs to have relationship. And this is why our God is one, but within God himself, there is the Father, the Spirit, and the Word the Son of God that became flesh. And in fact, here you have the full revelation of the gospel. You know, the, the two triangles meeting together is basically speaking about gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. You know, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God is Yeshua that clothed himself as a human being and Tabernacle. This is the word in Greek, tabernacle among us. The plan of God is to have intimacy with you. God's purpose, hand purpose, is to dwell in your heart and to live in your house. He's knocking at the door and he wants to enter him. He wants to have personal relationship. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This is the flag of Israel. And this is the way you can bring 
to, of course, Israel-friendly people, <laughs> uh, the message of salvation. You know, so do you see that? That's, that's okay. We can, I think we can remove the, the flag. This is the good example here. But do you understand that everything started with Genesis chapter 1? Amen? It's the plan. God wants to dwell in your heart. Is God dwelling in your heart? Have you invited him into your life? Yes? Can you say to your neighbor, God wants to dwell in my heart? We move on. Now, what is Israel? Just remember always in that message, God is the creator of heaven and earth together. Okay? You understand that? Okay. Israel is a road for a message. This is Israel. This is the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, the land of the traders. They were in three, between three continents, Africa, Asia, and uh, Europe. And that road was used for God to come down from heaven and to meet with mankind. Why did God choose this part of the Middle East? Well, again, we have to sit with the big picture. What is the big picture? Israel, the land of Canaan, is part of what was the Garden of Eden. And this is the Garden of Eden with the borders of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. We know it's very clearly, just remember, God is the God of heavens and the God of the earth. So it's not something mystical, you know. Replacement theology, it's all about mystical. It's over-spiritualizing, you know, it's only heaven. It comes from the Platonic Greek thinking, you know. The ideal is the best, it's the, you know. And so everything that is from the earth is not relevant, no. Our worldview, biblical worldview, God has chosen a garden. And here are the borders. Four river heads. The first one is Pishon, the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. You study Havilah, you know it's Arabia. It's in Arabia, you know, there used to be a river. Now it's a desert, okay? The second one is the Gihon is the one which goes around the whole land of Kush, Ethiopia. This is basically the Nilus River in Egypt. The third one is Hidekel, the Tigris. This is Iraq. And east of Assyria, the fourth river is the Euphrates. We're talking about Syria. Now, I'm, go I'm going back to the map here a little bit. Just look at that. All these four rivers, this is the Middle East. The Garden of Eden is the Middle East. Can you tell your neighbor the Garden of Eden is the Middle East? Now, when you think about the Middle East, do you think about a wonderful Garden of Eden? What do you think? When do you think when you, when you think about the Middle East? Desert, war, conflict, right? It has nothing to do with the Garden of Eden, the beautiful Garden of Eden, and yet, God has a plan. Just remember, it's the God of heavens, the God of earth. He wants to redeem the Garden of Eden. That's his plan. How is he going to do? Well, just look. 
you know, when man sinned, you know, by the way, the red dot is Jerusalem. You see the red dot here? Just at the center of the Garden of Eden. In fact, according to the Talmud, the, you know, the, 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 the rabbinic tradition, God had created Adam and Eve on Mount Moriah. It's called the stone of creation, the stone of beginning, Ar Ashtia. So this is very important for us to understand. We don't know. It's not written in the scripture, but it's this what the rabbis are explaining about Mount Moriah. God created Adam and Eve there. Now, let's look forward here. Uh, the first sacrifice in the Garden Eden, when was the first animal killed? Well, to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. You remember they, had, they wanted to put the, the fig tree leaves that was not enough. God had to kill an animal. First sacrifice in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam is removed from the Garden of Eden. What side? North side? South side? East side of the Garden of Eden. Okay? And then guarding the Garden of Eden were the cherubim, the strong, powerful angels. You know, the Kruvim, you know, and you see their description in the book of Ezekiel. You know, they were very strong, very powerful, and they had a flaming sword back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, when you know about cherubim and you're involved in worship, you know that these were the only reproduction that God allowed to be put in the most holy place, in the holy of holies. Isn't it interesting? On the Ark of the Covenant, when the high priest will enter once a year on Yom Kippur, he will sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice for all of Israel upon the cherubim. Prophetically, every year, to say one day, there will come the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest, and he will Open the door when the cherubim will just allow human beings to go back to the Garden of Eden. You see, the message of salvation is already in Genesis chapter 1. And it's fulfilling to the Mosaic Covenant. You know, the cherubim here are basically pointing to the perfect sacrifice that will bring us back to the Garden of Eden, which is basically eternal life, right? Now, I want you to look very closely at the way of the patriarchs. I want you to look at this map. Look at the red line. This is Abraham's travel. Now, Abraham's travel, it starts in her Chaldee. You know, do you remember the map? Let's go closely back to the map here. Look up, look here the map, east of Eden, yes, this is Iraq, south of Iraq, her, Chaldee, between Basora and Babylon. Isn't it interesting that where God put Adam out of the garden of life, he asked Abraham, one man, to start. To start what? The redeeming of the Garden of Eden. And we see here the calling of Abraham. 
go out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. No GPS, no GPS. He had to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know? And look how the way was led. Look the way he was led, you know? He went up along the river, the Euphrates River, you know? And he walked north along the border of the Garden of Eden. He go to Haran, which is now in Turkey, you know? His father dies there, you know? This is, by the way, some of his relatives are gonna stay there in Haran, and this is why, you know, he sends you know, to look for a wife for his son, Isaac, okay? This is in Haran. And then look at that, he's coming down, down along Canaan, which is Israel, you know, and then up to Egypt. Isn't it interesting? And the Lord said, I will make a great nation out of you, and I will bless you. And he says, I will make your name great, you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth are blessed. If your family is blessed, it's because of one man, Abraham. He answered the call. He answered the call. He was a young man. He was only 75 years old. People, people are thinking about retirement at this age. And I'm here to tell you, if you, have, if you are about to reach 75, well, your life is just starting. Abraham started at 75, Moses at 80. And there was someone that started his ministry at 85, right? You remember his name? Caleb in Hebron, right? Okay. He knew all the families of the earth. I'm going very shortly. This is the first place called Elon More. This is, you know, we have tours. We are taking people Bible in hands. We call them the Tagli Discovery. So basically, this is Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Elon More is the first place where God revealed himself to Abraham. And it says, the Lord revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham built an altar. This is the first altar that is built overlooking basically two mountains, the Mount of Blessings and the Mount of Curses, Sishem, Shem. You know, later Jacob is going to build, pay for a piece of land there. We're moving on. We're moving on here because I want to talk about Jerusalem. The first mention of Jerusalem is in Genesis chapter 14. 14, verse 18. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, is the king of Salem. Salem is Shalom, okay? Shalem is Shalom. Now, this is very important that Shalom, the word Shalom means peace. The word shalom means peace, and it's the same root word as shalem, which means to be complete, and also shulam, which means to be paid for. Now, just think about it. Peace, complete, paid for. Our Lord on the cross, he paid for your sins to make you complete and to, for you to receive the peace with God. This is what Abraham receives. Also, when you reach the king, Melchizedek. We do some Hebrew again. Are you ready? Melchi, my king. Tzedek of righteousness. My king of righteousness is priest and is king of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of peace. But now if you want to do more Hebrew, 
By the way, we have a book downstairs called Hebrew for Everyone. Everyone can start to learn to study Hebrew. Yerushalayim is two city of peace. Every time you have I'm at the end of a word, Sfatayim, Enayim, Birkayim, Raglayim, it's two, it's dual. There are two city of Jerusalem. Creator of heaven, creator of the earth, the dual. Okay, now this is very interesting to see. Now what is, what is, um, what is uh, the first mention of Jerusalem? Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. The first mention of bread and wine didn't start with a new covenant. It didn't even start with, with Moses. It started in Genesis, where the king of Jerusalem, by the way, in Hebrew it says he has no genealogy. You know, he's a type of the Messiah. You know, he gives bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High. And then in, it's very interesting because it says in verse 19, and he says, and he bless Abraham. And he says, bless is, is Abraham of the Most High. Kone shamaim and aretz. And I don't know if you can, if you look in your translation, it says possessor of heaven and earth. But in Hebrew, it's stronger. It says kone, the one who bought with a price. So Abraham receives the command from the king of Salem, Melchizedek, my king of righteousness, to redeem, to pay back, to redeem the garden of Eden. And so what is the first thing that he does after he's in Jerusalem? You know, he makes a covenant. You know, the, the animal is cut in two, and God speaks to him. He says, all the land that you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. But the bad news is he has no descendant. He has no children. How is God going to do it? Well, supernaturally. Patience. Wait on the Lord. He will provide. Okay? And we see here that the last mention of Jerusalem in the Bible is in the book of Revelation. So if you put your finger in Genesis chapter 14, one side of your Bible... And almost, I'm going to put, I'm going to show you here. This is Revelation chapter 21. All this is about Jerusalem. And it's about Israel. You cannot escape Jerusalem and Israel from your Bible. The last mention of, the Bible, of Jerusalem in the Bible is on the gates of the New Jerusalem where written the 12 the, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel, Jewish names. Just think about, the, and I saw the new Jerusalem. You know, you know Revelation chapter 21? It says, come and I will show you the bride of the Lamb. And I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. So the new Jerusalem is new covenant, Jerusalem, right? But it's coming down where? It's coming down to meet with the earthly Jerusalem. You see, the two Jerusalem are getting reconciled like this flag that we show. Like the two Jerusalem are going to be reconciled. And the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. And the interesting thing here we see here is that uh, the second 
mention of Jerusalem is in Mount Moriah, where God provides a son for Abraham. His name is Isaac. And Isaac basically has to be sacrificed not in the garden where Abraham lives. By the way, where does he live? You remember where did he settle? In Beersheba. Beersheba, the well of the promise. Now just think about it. God is giving the mandate through Melchizedek, the king of Jerusalem, to go and redeem the Garden of Eden, right? What is Abraham doing? He's going to the desert, and what is he doing? He's digging well of water. But Abraham, you're a spiritual man. You're the father of the faith. Where are the teachings of Abraham in the Bible? Where, where are his, his wisdom? You don't see it. He's a man of prayer. He's a friend of God. He intercedes with the Father. And in the meantime, he's digging well, physical well of water. Just imagine, you know, you're going on vacation for a few weeks, and you ask your neighbor to take care of your beautiful garden with your beautiful flowers. And the neighbor, he missed it. There was too much sport on TV, you know. He didn't care of your garden. So you, can, you come back, and your garden looks brown and yellow. What do you do after getting angry and forgiving your neighbor? What is the first thing you will do? You will go and dig water. Just think about it. Abraham is called to redeem the Garden of Eden. So first the natural, then the spiritual. This is what Jewish people have, have been doing for 4,000 years. Just listen to me. Where Jewish people are coming to Israel, the first thing, they turn the desert into a garden. First the natural. But it will not stop there. First the natural. You turn the desert into a beautiful garden. You know that Israel is the place where all the birds, you know, the birds, migrating birds, they stopped in Israel between Africa and Europe. You know, this is beautiful. Some people are just going there just to look at the birds, millions of birds, because Israel is now a garden, beautiful garden. But God is not finished only with the physical. He wants to bring all the people of Israel for a special encounter, the same way that Jacob, their forefathers, had you know, with the angel at Peniel, the face of God. So we see here that God is calling Abraham. Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, but not in your garden, please. You, I'm, I'm going to ask you to go to the land of Moriah. It's a three days journey. Three days journey, it's in the mountains of Jerusalem. And so he goes there. You, you know the story, right? The servants are coming, the donkey, they have woods for the sacrifice. And Abraham goes there with his son. Then he says, you stay here at, at, the, at the foothill of the mountain. Me and the, the son, we are going to go. And we are going to worship and we will be back. Abraham did not lie to them. He believed. He believed that God, even God, God asked him to sacrifice his son. God will raise him up from the dead. Because he's the son of the promise. He's the son of the promise. You know, 
all the ministry of Abraham is going through his son Isaac. If there's no Isaac, his ministry is not fulfilled. And by the way, I just want to say something for, to you here. Maybe you've been struggling with your family, your children are maybe not following on in your ways of the Lord. God has a plan from generation to generation. You know, what is the ministry of Isaac? Basically married well, and he just continued to work in the, foot, you know, in, the, in the footsteps of his father, digging wells. You know, but then comes Jacob. And then Jacob received the revelation. And Jacob, the grandson, you know, goes into multiplication. He's got the 12 sons, you know. And I think this is very important for us to understand. Our calling is not for our own life. It's from generation to generation we are giving the baton, we are giving the, 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 the ministry to the younger generation. And if you have physical children who are not, natural children who are not following in your footsteps, God will give you spiritual children that are also going to follow in the footsteps. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up here. Now, this is what I call the hidden verse of salvation. Just look at it. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Adonai Yireh. What happened on Mount Moriah? God provided the ram instead of, of Isaac. You remember that? And he says, and it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Future. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. Moses declared prophetically the same place where Isaac was supposed to be killed and God provided the ram. On that same place, it shall be provided on the mount of the Lord. Our Lord had to die on Mount Moriah. Already from the book of Genesis, you see how specific God of heavens, God of the earth, specific here. And so we see that the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the Lord, Yeshua, died in a place called Golgotha. Golgotha was the quarry of stones used to build the temples because Mount Moriah was the place of the first temple, the temple of Solomon, and it was the second temple, the temple of Herod. So at the foothill of Mount Moriah, our Lord died and give his life for mankind. First the physical, then the spiritual. Now, our Lord died on the cross in Golgotha. Now, what's happening with what we read in the book of uh, Jeremiah? When Jeremiah said, I will bring them from all the different countries, and I will bring them to the land of their fathers, the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, I will pour upon them clean water, and they shall be clean. I will remove the heart of stone and give them the heart of flesh. I will be their God. They will be my people. We're talking about a divine encounter with the Jewish people. And this is what I want to speak to you about, because now that Israel is a garden a water, well-watered garden, now the Spirit now is needed for Israel.
And you know, when we started our ministry in the 80s, we were about 200, 300 Jewish believers. There was only 200 Jewish believers in Israel. You could fit all the believers of the land in this room. You know, we all knew each other. Big family. Today, I'm proud to tell you, I don't know all the names of my brothers and sisters in Israel. God has brought the increased. There are more than 30,000 Jews believing in Yeshua in Israel. And it's so hard now to count because so many of them are what we call the Nicodemus. You know, they, they, they go through Facebook and, and, and the website and, and, you know, and they don't engage with us personally. So we know there are so many who have received the Lord. In our congregation, every week, we have non-believers coming. We have young people they find us on the website, they, they, you know, they, 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 their friends brought them. And then we have Holocaust survivors. This, this, this man, Dan, is 90 years old and he's coming every week. And every time when we bring the gospel of the good news of salvation, he comes to me and he, 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 he weeps in my heart. He said, it's so difficult to forgive. I need to forgive. It's so difficult. And I just said, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength to forgive those who've wounded you and, and, and killed your family during the Holocaust. You know, it's, it's but this is the hand of God. This is the power of God. This is God as a plan for Israel. And his plan is to bring the all tribe tribes. I'm just looking at the watch because, you see, I, I have time, but I don't have watch. But you have a watch. I have to be careful here. So act. I'm going to end with that. When they had come together, this is when our Lord rise from the, raised from the dead, the, the disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Yeshua said, of course not. Israel is finished now, right? Now there's a new Israel. No, no. just look at what it says here. It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put to his own authority. So basically, yes, there's going to be a time where God will restore the kingdom to Israel. By the way, what, what does it mean, the kingdom to Israel? What's the most important thing in the kingdom? A king, <laughs> a king. So when, when will it be that you are going to be the king received and welcomed with red carpet treatment? You know, when Yeshua said, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to keep you under my wings. Like a mother hen keeps her babies, you did not let me. Therefore, uh, your city will be destroyed. He speaks about the diaspora, you know, destruction of the temple at Jerusalem. And I will not come back until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed are you, come in the name of the Lord. So we know we missed you, Lord, the first time. But you are going to come because we are going to wait for you and welcome you. You see, and so the Lord is going to come. And it says, well, until he comes in Jerusalem, you know, putting his feet back on the Mount of Olives, you know, it says you shall receive power. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. And this is why you are here. You have received the Holy Spirit for one reason. What is the reason? 
to be the witness of the King of glory. What God has done in your life, you need to bring it to someone else. And the calling of every one of us is to pray and stand for the salvation of the Jewish people. Now, when are you coming to Jerusalem? I know you're coming next year, right? In June next year. I, in Zion, I put my king in Zion, my holy hill. I just want to close here. Uh, there's more to share about. It's just one, it's one third of the teaching. Uh, usually I give a, one day or two days, semi, you know, sem, seminaries from Revelation to, from Genesis to Revelation, but I want to close here. I want to pray that the Lord will make us faithful to be it with it is witnesses. Can we stand on our feet here? Can I pray for you? Hallelujah. We thank you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We thank you, the God of Israel, that you've called us, Lord, to be your witnesses. We thank you for the power that you've given through your Holy Spirit, Lord. And how the gospel started in Jerusalem, Judah, Samaria, now to Colorado and beyond. And we want to ask you, Lord, make us faithful. Give us, Lord, this power that can be also translated by courage. Lord, you know that we are people so much influenced by the fear of man. But today we want to make a commitment before you and enter into our calling to be the faithful servant, the faithful witness. What we have seen, what we have heard, what you have done in our lives, we want to be faithful to share with others, with family members, with friends, with relatives, and even with enemies. And we ask you, Lord, to use us, wherever our age is, wherever our, our gifts are, you want to make out of us a light of the world and the salt of the earth. Lord, I bless all my brothers and sisters who are faithfully standing in the gap, standing for Jerusalem. I know you want me to say thank you for praying for us. Thank you for praying for the salvation of the Jewish people until all Israel will be saved. And we know this is prophesied in your word and it will be yeah and amen. B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Thank you so much, Tony. Wasn't that good? Wow. I want him to stay here for three days to give the whole teaching. Um, I would like to bless Tony and Orna and their ministry. And so, um, ushers, if we can get some baskets ready, I'd like to take up an offering. And if we can put up, um, if you want to write a check, it would be to Ha Ma'ayan. Can you put that up there? Do you have that? It's H A and then M A A Y A N. Hamayan congregation, and um, 
they have, they're just an on-fire ministry there. And to, to hear that, see, when I was in Israel 10 years ago, when we would say there was 20,000 Jews who believed in Yeshua, today 30,000. Hallelujah, Lord, keep on doing it. And this is one of the key ministries that is involved in that. So please give to the Lord. So um, let's, let's finish with this song, and then we'll do the ironic blessing. Amen. stand together and kind of we reach across the aisles and I want to ask Tony in order to come up here and I want to speak a blessing.
Hallelujah. You know that Or Chaim is passionate and committed to, to seeing the restoration, the physical and the spiritual restoration of Israel. That's what our heart is. And um, that's who we are. If you're not into that, this is not the place for you. But I know you are, so that's why you're here. just want to speak a blessing over the congregation. As the Lord spoke to Moses to speak to his sons, the priests, that when the people of Israel would gather, that they would bless them in this way. Adonai Vishmarecha Yair Adonai Pana Vehlecha Vihulecha Yisra Adonai Pana you and keep you. The Lord would lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord would give his give you his shalom, his peace. And his face would be lifted upon you. In the name of Yeshua Mashiach. Hallelujah. Be filled with his shalom, his peace, his mercy, his grace, his presence in Yeshua's name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Shavua Tov. I want to invite you all to, to go downstairs. I know Tony and Orna are going to be leaving in a little bit to go to, um, to, go to the lighthouse. And so, but they have some books downstairs. And so why don't you go downstairs now and if, in a few minutes and grab some food down there. But go down to the table downstairs and pick up some of their stuff and say, say, Hi to him or say Lahitarot. We'll see you later. So God bless you. <laughs>